Hello and welcome to All My Life, uh, SPO's new podcast where we take deep dives into lifelong discipleship. My name is Emma. I'm one of your hosts. And I'm Ryan. And we're, you're joined on the couch with SPO's president, new president, new. David Fisher. David, welcome to the show. Oh my goodness. Good to be with both of you. Mm-hmm. Congratulations on this. This is having a, a podcast with SPO. I'm very excited about this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are too. We've converted the Minnesota office into our podcast studio and inviting just different staff members. And um, you were on the short list, um, David. Mm-hmm. We just were really looking forward to connecting with you and kind of hearing your story. We've met with you know different staff members, and that's kind of what we're focusing on here in in season one. People who are working and serving with SPO, and your story with SPO goes way back. Yeah. Um, actually, you were a part of my first experience of SPO. That's in, right. In February, about, well, it was 23 years ago, right about now, when I was at the University of Missouri Newman Center, and you were serving with SPO, you were helping to lead, you were leading this retreat down in Missouri. You guys drove down through a crazy snow and ice storm from Minnesota to the middle of Missouri for a retreat that I was helping to put on for college students at University of Missouri, and you guys helped. That's where we first met. I remember that. You remember these types of things in little snaps, you know, little snippets, right? um, And snapshot in time, I remember specifically being in a very cold van where the heat was having issues. We were not able to defrost the front of that windshield fast enough. All of us in that van trying to get through lines. You're just trying to follow the lights, the tail lights in front of you on our way to give this retreat. And we, of course, back then, as we still do today, it's like clearly the enemy doesn't want us to go there. So we want to get there even more. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we're all making our way to do this retreat. And yeah, that was where I met you. And, and I, I wonder really, we don't need to get into all this, but I often wonder like what would have happened if you guys would have turned around and it would have made sense. I mean, the, the roads were terrible, not passable. And, you know, I don't know if I'd be serving with SPO. So many different things happened in my life, uh, spiritually Mm -hmm. and otherwise because of that first experience. And you were helping to lead worship. You were leading the music that weekend. Yeah. So was really that was really impactful so so many things like that right yeah mm-hmm. that we could ask ourselves like like where would i be what would have happened yeah, yeah. but your, your your life since then has taken a number of of amazing turns just in terms of your professions like mm-hmm. you you were a lawyer and a film producer and a, a man a guy who's raising tons of money for various Catholic organizations, also SPOs. So you worked in development. You're also raising a lot of children. Yes. <laughs> like, That's where I thought you were going. <laughs> I did too. I was you're, like, you're, you're also raising a, of- a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> Nine kids. Nine kids. That is amazing. Um, what's one profession you wouldn't want to be a part of? Like what's something that is out of your comfort zone? I mean, those, that's an amazing 
list of, of things that, that you've done and got, you're an incredibly gifted man and uh, could kind of take a pick, but what's one thing you would, you wouldn't touch with a 10 foot pole that wouldn't, wouldn't be in an area of gifting for you? I don't think, you know, honestly, um, sitting behind a computer thinking smart all day long is like the death of me. I need to be around people. I love to interact with people. I love the mm-hmm. kind of um, the curveballs that just come with a day where that's just the human experience. But when you, you know, for me just to sit behind a computer and focus and just live inside my mind and try to kind of solve problems or create systems or establish order, that is not me. That's not me. Uh, and I really have a lot of respect for people that can do that. For me, um, it just takes life out of me, and I and I actually get a lot of life by the um, the curveballs of of a day that 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 comes. True extroverted nature, I suppose. <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I that's what I yeah. That's definitely uh, helped in all the other areas mm-hmm. of life that I've been a part of. It's funny when you when you bring up the kids, and when you when you made a joke about the kids. Um, most of the time, people that know me. When I'm in, when I'm introduced to someone else, they're the first ones to tell them how many kids I have. Most people <laughs> love to say how many kids I have to new people that I've never met. <laughs> Do they just like to watch the reaction? Like, I think this so. Is Probably, be cool. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. you got to hear this. Yeah, this guy <laughs> has nine kids, mm-hmm. and it's been that way ever since we probably hit four, five. Really, people mm-hmm. want to be ah. like. People want to say, this guy has five kids. This guy has six kids. It's the first thing they say. Sometimes I'll wait. I might not even tell people how many kids I've got for a (laughs) while because their eyes cross slightly. Um, They might might wonder, you know, take a step back and be like, whoa. What's the best part about having a big family that people who don't have a big family would be surprised by? Or having a bunch of kids, you know. Yeah. Whatever. Two things. I've got kind of a funny answer that comes to mind right off the bat, which is, man, when your kids get into varsity sports, it is awesome having someone else that can drive in the house, kids, <laughs> that can go and help deal with all of that kind of stuff. I I definitely, um, it was painful when my oldest was in football, basketball, and baseball, and those coaches do not care about your schedule as a parent. And so you're waiting to pick your child up from school at all different times of the day, at all different times of the night. Um, It it was like a glorious moment for my wife and I when we had other kids. And now from this point forward, we're going to have someone that can drive. I am happy to pay for that (laughs) insurance and that car to make sure that they can get picked up. I think probably on a little bit more of a, of a deeper level, the, the kind of love that you receive from a child, I don't care how many you have, is something that's like locked in a special place in a parent's heart. And you have those moments. And just imagine experiencing that in a different way, in a unique way, multiple times. Mm. You know, there is, there really, I'm able to actually tap into something. It pulls something out of me, but I'm loved in a unique kind of a way by my kids. And that, um, Man, that's been like a game changer for me in recent years. Game changer when it comes to the father's love, which um, 
which I struggle with a little bit when it comes to like receiving the love of the father, God, the father, mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons. Um, it's been my children, boys and girls that have given me the love of God, the father more than anything else that I could point to in my life. Uh, so that I would say that nine times over, I, I get to experience that. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a beautiful kaleidoscope, like all these different kind of refractions mm. of the love of God sort of, demonstrated into you know to you and um what a beautiful what a beautiful testimony how how do you keep the ships kind of running on i mean how does that work for you and laura just the communication the even your older kids i mean you probably in some ways kind of bring them into some leadership if you will of of family life i would think yeah yeah well first it's you got to invest in a good stocking app which Life 360 is a my stocking. stocking. <laughs> yes, S-T-A-L-K. I yeah. stock you my children. Yeah. No, I, 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 have a little, I have a little face for each one of them on my phone, although I had to, I told my oldest, you can choose to turn it off whenever you want. But if, you know, uh, I, we know where all the kids are at all times when they've got their device in their backpack or wherever they have it. And that, that gives us a, a certain sense of um, just safety and we, we love yeah. it. But... All credit, 110% goes to Laura. Mm. There is no way um, my children would not have the joy in their lives if I was the one in charge of their schedules <laughs> and keeping the ship going in the right direction. They would they would be, um, it would be like being in some kind of Charles Dickens, Oliver Twist, probably type <laughs> environment where everything's gray and dad is in charge. You do not want that. God help us here at SPL. We got to be careful that it doesn't become that here. But I'm not. That's why you uh, got us. Laura is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Laura is amazing. Laura's got a, a incredible capacity, uh, a lot of empathy, patience, um, and she's joyful. And those things all kind of combined. She's got a great sense of humor. It creates a kind of light atmosphere. And so when when mom gets frustrated, we we pay attention. We pay attention quickly because it's. It, it, she doesn't all that often, right? So it's, it's dad gets frustrated more than mom. <laughs> that's real. Yeah. That's real. What contribution do you bring to the table that's unique in that? Um, I'm pretty goofy around my family because I bring a kind of, um, there's certainly, I have high expectations for the kids. Right, so I want them to experience that. I want mm-hmm. them to know that doing a, a good job and doing things well is important in life. Um, if you if you try hard, that's all I'm expecting. Right, I'm perfectly fine with if a child gets a C, you know, or, uh, over an A. Right, and I've said that clearly. In fact, I've told some of my girls, I want you to get C's and D's so that you don't go to the east and west coast for school. That way you can stay by dad, <laughs> stay home, Strategic. and be, be close to us. I want you, you know, C's are perfectly fine. But um, the boys, the, the boys, they can probably move to the east and west coast, but my <laughs> girls have to stay close. <laughs> um, but I bring a kind of goofiness to the house that probably most dads pride themselves in at a certain level. There's a mm-hmm. reason why sitcoms have the dads so goofy. It's because it taps into a very real thing. Mm-hmm. And we like to do that. So I, I have no problem. Uh, Haven't you done some TikTok dances or something? Is that? 
I well, yeah, you know, that would be one way. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how this got out, but th- that would be one way of um, of being goofy. Yeah, I've mm-hmm. I've gotten my kids uh, laughing pretty hard by doing a TikTok dance that mm-hmm, then they mm-hmm. they get me kind of involved in. Those are fun. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Um, looking back, on you know what I'm going to say this. Yeah, as well, uh, spiritual fatherhood. You know, in the house. Um, the kids do look to me f- to be a leader in our faith. You know, Laura's got incredible, amazing faith, but there is something about a dad calling us together and kind of leading us in that space that I have taken very seriously as well. And I think they look to me for that. So, you know, bedtime mm-hmm. prayers, I try not to miss sitting on their on their bed and praying over them, giving them a kiss on the forehead um, and, and helping them know that God loves them. Mm. You know, saying that every day, important um and then kind of closely related to that is just affirming each one of them in a way that a dad can affirm their child blessing them in a certain kind of a way making sure my daughters understand how beautiful they are making sure my sons understand how much i love them um those are important things that i take seriously you know that yeah that can only come from many experiences in your own life of god's faithfulness of god's fatherhood Mm. And him, um, in a sense, affirming who he made you to be uh, and standing with you, standing by you. Um, I'm certain over the years you, you've, you've had many and varied encounters of kind of God's faithfulness mm. to you. Does, does one experience or, or one story of, of God's um, presence and commitment in your life, his faithfulness to you, does, does one story or... or or season of life kind of come to mind that you could share about kind of God's faithfulness in your life. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you're right. Although I'm going to put a caveat on that a little bit, which is oftentimes the more that you can, I think for me, the more that I can actually rely on God, the father in the areas of life that I have not received, Actually, then I allow him just to kind of work through me. So I grew up in a single-parent home. I had a relationship with my dad, but I didn't experience a father that I was proud of or that I had a that kind of a... Um, it was tough. I had a, I, It was a tough upbringing. Um, didn't have the kind of attention, didn't have the blessing from my dad or the kind of confidence booster. Um, very rare for him to ever make it to any of my games. Didn't live in the state... Um, all my all my childhood. And so I didn't know what a father could do mm-hmm. and the faithfulness um, that a father could actually provide in my life. And so some of those people in my life that did step in by God's faithfulness, the people that he brought to me, uh, were people that were closely connected to the church. Mm-hmm. And so that was something that was just imprinted on me from my childhood. My mom was close to the church. And so I grew up, I grew up looking up to um, particularly men that loved the Lord and that um, kind of stepped in at unique times of my life and gave me that blessing that I didn't, that I didn't get from my own dad. My, my dad loved me and, um, sure. Uh, but I didn't have that kind of connection in faith. He he wasn't um, 
he didn't actually uh, he 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 left the Catholic Church and and uh, really we didn't talk about faith. It wasn't something that that I shared with my father. Mm-hmm. So maybe some of the people um, that had that kind of connection with me. I mean, this is where SPO has such a unique part in my life. Is that Gordy Deemery was one of those people. Mm-hmm. You know, Gordy actually uh, stepped in like an older brother at a time in my life where I really needed that and shared a kind of care for me um, that was not based on what I could perform or do for him, but actually just, he just straight up walked with me as a friend. That was an older brother in the Lord that was kind of leading the way that I could look up to and be actually impressed with the decisions he was making in his life and then be like, wow. And then to have him kind of invest in me, I felt, it was like God investing in me in a lot of ways. People like Gordy. Mark Bertram was another one of those people in my life, um, the founder of Net Ministries, and um, some of the some some great priests uh, in in here in the, the local archdiocese that invested in me. Father John Ubel uh, was a really important person in my life as a kid when he was a fresh. Um, when he was a priest in his first years of priesthood, he was working at St. Thomas Academy. He invested in me because he went up to a the CYC camp, the Catholic youth camp that the diocese kind of ran, and he did confessions, and he met me and invested in me. Father Jeff Heward, one of the leaders of the Companions of Christ, um, also was the campus minister at St. Thomas for the years that I was working for SPO there, invested in me. Um, not just like taking a walk with you every once in a while or, or hearing your confession, I mean, people that were like, hey, let's grab a dinner. Let's let's grab a burger and talk about life. Or let's go, you know, we'd go to a movie or we'd do different things. You know, they were friends. They actually were friends in my life. Really powerful. So that's, that is really powerful. It's it In, in many ways, it kind of mimics the incarnation, you know. Like, mm. like God became man. Mm. And even in this case, God in in the persons in these in these men these faithful holy men sounds like they were there like even from your you know when was that cyc camp probably in high school or, yeah sixth you know? grade yeah so like middle school Seventh grade. into high school into college mm-hmm. and then even in in many years you talk about gordy gordy is the founding president of of spo and and here you are kind of taking the reins from him what was the significance of that transition to think about Gordy being such an impactful figure in your life and in a sense him handing that to you just six, seven months ago. Have you reflected much on the significance of the transition of Gordy to you and the significance of that relationship that was such a powerful one in your life? I certainly have. It, it is uh, to consider... I mean, it's daunting. I'll put it that way, just to start off with, even just the thought of um, being the first president that follows a founder. Yeah, it was a you know as a prospect of where life was where life was headed for me and my career. And when I think about here are the things that I want to accomplish in my career. What do I feel called to accomplish? I'm weighing that along with what I like to do. You know, just generally what I like to do in life. And then you add on top of that an actual personalized relationship with a with a, a person, right? 
who has represented a kind of um, spiritual or, or, or kind of mystical, you know, how I've experienced God, I can go back to Gordy and say he was the one that delivered. He was the conduit or the vehicle that God used in my life as a young man. I do not want to screw this up, <laughs> right? That's There's a lot of pressure on all that. And I think more than anything, what I experienced the Lord saying to me, um, heavily through my wife, actually, who I think the Lord uses a lot <laughs> to speak to me, was um, to really be myself. And that what Gordy sees in me in this process has been something that I can trust in and rely upon. Um, so Gordy was the one that actually went to the board and said, I would like to forward David as my replacement. And the board had to go through a process of making sure that that was a good decision for the sake of SPO. But that's important. It's actually distinct from the board telling Gordy, we think David is the guy. You know, I was really pleased to know that that's how Gordy approached it. And that gives me a certain kind of confidence because I'm taking the reins from the founder in a way that he, in his humility, laid down and said, I want you to take this up and let's see where, where the Lord wants you to take it, David. And uh, he really has done that. You know, people can ask questions about, you know, is he has he really done that? Did he really? The answer is yes. I mean... It's not easy, and we've had our moments, but he absolutely came and, and did that for me so that I could become the leader that he feels the Lord is calling me to become, and that's humbling. That's a humbling process, and it's exciting to see how the, the tapestry, right? We talk about God sees it all. We see, you know, maybe the threads as it comes along, and every once in a while you get a moment to look back, or, or to, to your perspective gets pulled back, you know, the drone perspective, I like to call it. Mm -hmm. You know, all of a sudden, every once in a while, you get a drone moment in your life where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm actually, I see the world so much more. You know, have you ever experienced that with your, with your phones, right? You take, you see something gorgeous, mm -hmm. usually it's landscapes, and you take a picture of it, like a sunset is the best. Right. You, sunset's incredible. You, you like, I got to capture this. You take the picture and it's like, like, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm not going to, I mean, I, I'm it's almost, not, you almost feel silly. Yeah. There's like, no way. How is it that my <laughs> eye can see something so magnificent and my phone can't capture that? It just, they, it cannot capture that. Mm -hmm. Right. That's kind of what happens every once in a while. You get, you get a drone moment or you get a, you know, your the human eye moment where you're pulled back and you see, this is, this is unbelievable how the Lord has orchestrated this, really um, boy who didn't have a dad who wanted a dad so, so much who learned how to kind of perform for most of his life for people in order to gain affection, get to a point where through many, many years of friendship and mentoring and coaching realize that I can't perform my way into people's good graces that actually God doesn't need that from me and that he just, he really just loves me. Gordy is one of those people that helped me realize that. 
And he says it to me over and over and over. David, you're super talented. I don't care. I don't care. That's not why I'm, I'm your friend. That's not why I care about you. It's not the things you can do for me. That's hard. That's hard to kind of get rid of in your head. I don't know where I took that question. So many <laughs> different spots, but sorry. Yeah, no. It's faithfulness. <laughs> I think, too, like hearing all that, another question that comes up. Um, sh- yeah, I'm sure you can answer it so many ways, but I'm curious. Um, like, what is, what would you say is the most, like, impactful commitment that you have made that has, like, really changed your life? Marriage. Marriage has been... I remember the homily at our wedding. Um, It was something like the commitment that we're making at this point, we have no idea how impactful and how important it is. It's like a cobweb in the way of a Titanic ship. It's just going to push right through it. There's nothing that's going to hold that ship back. And the ship is life and the cobweb is like, is like your commitment. It's so it's so inadequate. The only thing that's going to actually control the Titanic that is moving, whatever we want to call it, this big ship, is God. He's the only one. Mm-hmm. So you can't this so you put your you actually are putting a covenant together and your faith is going to be the thing that just grabs a hold of God and the tassels or just you ride on that tail you know, the tales of, of that code, right? So it's the greatest commitment in my life of has been, and what I've experienced has been through marriage. Mm-hmm. And it's been a becoming reality. Um, the ups and downs, we did not say, I mean, I think we wanted to have a big family, but what the heck did we know back <laughs> 20 years ago? Like, we don't know what that means. Yeah. It's all dra- drama in your head. You know, this is Mm -hmm. the type of man I want to marry. This is the type of woman I want to marry. I think the most important thing and commitment that we made was that we love Jesus Christ. We believe in his life, death, and resurrection. We believe that he has saved us from our sins. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, and we're actually attracted to each other. Great. (laughs) That works. Mm -hmm. And we can, God can do something with all that. And he has. Um but that has been the most important, the most impactful commitment I've made in my life was is to my wife, and it it remains the most important for my children, for my my career, for my mission, um, my faith. It's being faithful to my wife. When did you first learn in marriage that you were in over your head? Like this? Ah, I, I didn't know <laughs> you signed up for this. What was that? Can you take us to a moment? Before or after I first slept on the couch? <laughs> <laughs> after. Um, early on in my marriage, my father passed away suddenly. And dealing with the emotions of that, dealing with the vocation and what that means and how do you open up and actually express more about your life, right? So we're all... We all have these different closets and rooms in our life and our past and our history. Mm-hmm. And I would say um, I probably felt in over my head because I, I, a lot of emotions were like slowly coming up in me 
that I hadn't really shared with my wife or that I even knew how to share with my wife. And I thought, how, how does this work? I could, if, if God isn't at the center of this, I could see why it's so easy to walk away from this relationship, you know, because it's too much, it's just mm-hmm. too much. And you realize, and you kind of process it in different ways. You almost, you live in this, in a space of, um, how do I share everything when I don't even know everything that keeps bubbling up in me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I said, it's been, a, it's been such an, a beautiful becoming reality for the two of us. And, uh, I would say it was after that, just that was, um, one year, one and a half years into, into our marriage that my dad passed away. And, um, wow, I needed the Lord at that time. I realized that marriage isn't going to be the thing that, gets me through this. It's going to be actually relying on him. Before we jump into our hot seat, we'll just hit that in a second. (laughs) Fill in the blank for us. If it wasn't for blank, I wouldn't be the disciple I am today. If it wasn't for blank, my mind immediately goes to a person but I also, it goes to my stomach because I really do love Reese's peanut butter cups and they keep me at, they keep me at even. <laughs> uh, they are good. It's good to know. They are so good in our back pocket. <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cups, especially the, um, the fat ones. Now the, the <laughs> big ones, you know, so many, it's yeah. like, what's mm-hmm. going on? Those are just amazing. If it wasn't for, I would say my younger brother, Robert, I wouldn't be the disciple I am today. Robert and I were a kind of constant in each other's life um, from his birth, a couple years after I was born, um, all the way through well into us raising kids and living actually next to each other. And the kind of um, friend, brother, the one that would challenge me, in life make me think about a whole bunch of things um, and just love life to the full. I did with him so much. Uh, and and it was, it was kind of in the everyday that we learned how to be disciples for the Lord and kind of run after him and get excited about a life, kind of a, a, a journey that would be exciting, you know, an adventure. Yeah. I'll put it that way. So, yeah, my... Um, in more recent years, it's been different because we live in different states now and it's, it, you know, life takes over with marriage and kids and all that. But, man, I wouldn't be the man I am today, the disciple that I am today without Robert and his particular passion for uh, the Bible um, and for tradition of the Catholic Church, apologetics. Um, I was always inspired and looked up to my little brother. Uh, in the way that he was passionate about all that. That's a beautiful constant. Yeah. And it's a literal constant. I mean, like you said, you, you ended up as neighbors, you know, before yeah. he moved, you know, out of state. And that's right. You guys have been close, so close since. That's so cool. Um, so we've got some hot seat questions. So, but here's the deal with the hot seat. We ask you the questions. You give us the, the quick answer, and we just keep going through it. So I'm going to want wow. to ask all sorts of follow-up <laughs> questions. I'm not allowed to do that. <laughs> So where where we start where are we starting, Emma? <laughs> All right. Who is your biggest hero? John Paul II. Mm-hmm. Close second would be my wife. 
good answers. <laughs> Who's the most famous person you've ever met? Who's not John Paul II? Most famous person that I've ever met, uh, Drew Brees, Mel Gibson, Jim Caviezel. These are kind of in that world mm-hmm. of of uh, people. It's awesome. Um, controversial, but is a hot dog a sandwich? No, that's controversial. People really believe a hot dog is a sandwich? Of course it is. Controversial. Anyway, I can't comment. <laughs> uh, biggest pet peeve, David? Biggest pet peeve, uh, and, you know, when I say something where you know what I mean, but you have to feel like you got to correct me. Can't stand it at home. I can't, whatever. If it, if people know what you mean, just let it go. It's an offense. <laughs> just <laughs> let it go. I have a few people I'd like you to talk to. <laughs> All right. What would you be the patron saint of? Oh, my goodness. Patron saint of... I was... It, peanut butter cups is the first thing that comes <laughs> to mind. Yeah, I don't think there is one yet. <laughs> That's so. true. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be the patron saint of peanut butter cups. There we go. How about the patron saint of chocolate? I mean, we, I kind of feel like... Mm-hmm. That's a genre. We, I'm commenting. What's your favorite <laughs> genre of music, David? Favorite genre? I love James Taylor. So what is that genre? Uh, easy listening. Mm-hmm. I love easy listening. <laughs> Have you ever seen him in concert? No. Okay. No, I've always wanted to. Never but I, it's it James Taylor and, you know, some might think it doesn't sound exactly the same, but John Michael Taylor with that kind of folky... Yeah, type of stuff. It, mm-hmm. You know, I can easily drive in the car and just listen to that for on my way to anywhere. That's awesome. Well, we're wrapping up. Yeah, David, thanks wow. for being here. Mm-hmm. Great to be just like here. that. Yeah. That was fast. Yeah, mm-hmm. so so grateful to to have you on the show, Emma. Where can people find us? Uh, Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. All the podcast app mm-hmm. and got overcast. Video. Gotta throw overcast that one in there. if you're into that sort of thing. Which yeah, I am. <laughs> and, uh, David, we're so grateful that you're here. I hope that folks would rate and review the mm-hmm. podcast, share it with your friends, and we'll get ready to see you yeah, next time. We'll be back in a couple weeks. Yeah, great, David. Great to be here. Congrats again. Thank you.